Hello, this is Brian Bolio, CEO and Chief Economist for ITR Economics. And joining me today is... Alan, his brother and president of the company. We recently did a, uh, a webinar on real estate, amongst other things. And um, we thank you very much for attending. We didn't get to all of your questions. So we are taking this time to uh, address those now through this Trends Talk. There are some really good questions here, Brian. I'm looking forward to answering them uh, to the best of our ability. And uh, there's pretty concentrated focus on, on real estate, but we've got some broader ones too on the global workforce and such. So um, good questions. And I'm glad uh, these folks attended and sent in their questions. We appreciate you doing that. So, well, Alan, let, how about you take this first one? What impact do you see with remote work, global workers on the professional service industry? Well, it's had an impact in that, uh, as we all know, you can hire uh, programmers overseas, both in Europe and in, in Asia, uh, to work with you. That just happened in uh, my brother-in-law's company, as a matter of fact, at much lower cost than a domestic programmer, but it didn't replace anybody. It's just to fill a niche. And I think that's what we're seeing, Brian, uh, is that as we are preparing for our onshoring, reshoring presentation on October 21, you know, call centers have come back, lots of things have come back, including a lot of jobs that you might think would be easy to outsource because there's difficulty in time and communication and you know, the various aspects related with the job. Nevertheless, the remote working environment does make it easier to hire overseas. It makes it easier for you to go live overseas if that's what you want to do and continue on with a U.S.-based company. So from our point of view here at ITR, it expands the amount of people that we can look for to work for us. And it gives us more opportunity to have people in very different economic environments giving us some information on the ground. Do you think that would be true um, uh, for the legal profession, the accounting profession, uh, marketing profession? I think it would be true uh, for accounting. Um, and I think it would certainly be true for marketing. Uh, would not, I don't know about legal, Brian. I've not heard of that. Usually they're affiliated with other firms in other countries as opposed to having a remote workforce in those countries. Yeah, I was just thinking of our own interaction with our corporate attorney. It really doesn't matter where uh, he is. Uh, he could be halfway around the world and it really wouldn't matter as long as we're all digitally linked. So right. I think that it's a pretty broad um, parameter that we're looking at here. I think so too. All right, I want to take this next one. Um, and really it, it ties into uh, several questions. This person asked, well, starts off stating, I am looking to buy vacation condos on the South Carolina coast, i.e. Hilton Head to Charleston, not Myrtle Beach. Why are prices rising? Well, prices are rising there and elsewhere along the uh, southeastern coast because people have money uh, and these interest rates are so incredibly low and they're simply making their move when it's the right time to be making the move. Additionally, um, people are continuing to de-urbanize and just because they can work remotely, uh, they can live any place they want. Um, so I imagine these vacation properties are to be um, rented out and at these interest rate levels, um, you know, it's not that hard to uh, make the numbers work for you. Um, why are prices rising? Demand is exceeding supply. Timing looks bad. I'm not sure why the timing looks bad, except, you know, always you have to wonder about or ask yourself about your own timeline, your own time horizon. 
if, the, if you feel like the prices are too high now, unless you know how to time the market when this market settles back down in a year or two, they're always going to be up there. That's, that's the nature of the beast until we hit that 2030 demarcation. Uh, and then I'm not sure you want to be owning a whole lot of vacation condos on the Carolina coast or the West coast or off Georgia. Uh, so it depends on time. It depends on whether you can work the cash flow numbers. What do you think, Alan? I agree with everything you said. I wondered if the question was more uh, near term than that. For instance, you know, around the holidays, November, December, sometimes, you know, the, the, the frenzy to bid up prices eases because most people don't want to be bothered with this around the, the holidays and whether that might make it just a, a little price break. I didn't know if the question was aimed towards, you know, which month is better than the other, which case uh, late November in December into early January tends to be uh, where there's less demand compared to what is going on right now. Not sure it, it would change whether there's a decline, but for instance, around here, we know that uh, prices are going for well above asking prices. And I suspect that we'll see some relaxing of that in, in winter. Now, that I could be just imputing New England onto uh, Hilton Head too, Brian. I'm not sure whether they see a slowdown in activity or it might be just the opposite around Thanksgiving, Christmas, where there's an increase in activity down Hilton Head. That's a local market that I'm not familiar with. You're absolutely right. And the key um, that you touched upon there is, you know, find a local realtor that you trust and can advise you on, um, is there a better month in the near term to be going through this? There's no hurry when it comes to interest rates. Uh, we certainly don't see those posing a problem for months and months. So, you know, I guess you can pick and choose your battles in that way. You don't have to rush headlong into this for fear of losing these interest rates. Right. Exactly. I think that takes care of the next question also, Alan, about the Southeast Coastal Vacation Condos. I think so too. I think in terms of the Seattle real estate market, I haven't tracked those numbers. I don't know if that you have. Last time I looked, and it was a good six months ago, we were, I mean, it's just a very, very expensive area. And the price of home compared to the average income in that area made it very pricey market. But I haven't looked at it, like I said, in, in six months, so I couldn't tell you what's going on today. I have not either. One would assume that the uh, social disruption that has been occurring uh, is, is not good for uh, people thinking, hey, I want to move there. And we, we've been concerned for quite a while about the uh, cost of living going up so much that they could price themselves out of a, a destination spot for people who want to either start a business or work remotely. It's a beautiful state. but um, Cost is important. Yeah, it is a beautiful state to be sure. The next question is uh, asking us to better define um, the industrial real estate property categories. I mean, the definite, there is no clear definition that I could find on the uh, NA REIT uh, website, except it's, it's, you can infer what's in there from what's not included. It doesn't include lodging. It doesn't include infrastructure. It doesn't include office. Uh, it is meant to include logistical space, warehousing, even manufacturing uh, facilities. Uh, typically what you think about in terms of good old industrial, although some people would tend to call it uh, commercial, but in the REIT world, they classify that as a subsector of overall commercial and it's called industrial. The next one that I have is what type of disruption do you feel will occur if the current president 
refuses to accept an election loss. Uh, well, the stock market would not like it. I think even today, Brian, where the stock market dropped 400 points because the man uh, tested positive for COVID, lets us know that if he decides to put up a fuss about it, stock market is not going to like it. And I think it would cause a lot of people to hold their breath. I personally don't think uh, there's a strong likelihood of that would last very long because I don't think it would be tolerated for very long. I'm not sure there, there'd be any official way that he could do that. And, and, not, and just ignore the Constitution. Uh, I don't think there's any power that allows him to do that. So I do not see that as a long-term disruption. I think it's a low probability event also. And as far as the market going down 400 points, it's already uh, begun to move back up. Beware of headlines um, also. Um, I don't know if you saw, Alan, the jobless rate fell to 7.9%. I did. And... Um, Bloomberg managed to put a negative spin on that decline, saying that it it's, indicates the recovery is, you know, downshifting. And it's it's really been an impressive decline in the unemployment rate. We added, what, 661,000 jobs in the last month for which data was available. I mean, those are pretty good numbers. So They are. And Brian, it reminds me of the piece I just wrote yesterday for uh, the ITR advisor, which our, our insider uh, subscribers get. And uh, what what caught my eye was Bloomberg again. They used the uh, term for the economy going forward, uh, grind and slog, and uh, which is not how we view the world. So I I took them to task in the article uh, without naming Bloomberg, but a recent headline, uh, grind and and slog. Go, no, no, you don't want to prepare for grind and slog. I think exactly to your point on this. Uh, the, The headlines will make a big deal out of it. Will you stop buying and selling because of it is what is probably a much better gauge. Truth. All right. If the Democrats sweep and implement their tax plan that raises capital gains uh, substantially on larger investors, would this not cause a sell-off in the stock market to take advantage of current rates? I think that could lead to a lot of market turbulence uh, post-election. But... For me, Alan, it always comes back to which way is the Senate going to go also. If he doesn't get, uh, if he is president, but he doesn't get control of the Senate, um, then a lot of this consternation goes, right? So that's the Democratic sweep that goes through. Right. And also, isn't it a question of, there's an underlying assumption there that it'll never come back to being a, a lower uh, capital gain tax. Uh, it's, the assumption there is that it'll be that way for a long time. So part of what has to go into this is, do I see a need to go to cash in the near term, next several years, that would make me want to take the cash now? Because if you leave it in there and you expect market appreciation and the administration changes in four years, or I can't imagine be more than four, uh, given the age of Mr. Biden, you know, there'd be really no impetus that I have to do it now because this is the last chance I'm going to get. That's how I view, view this. It, it, that's rational. It's not always the way that, People perceive these things because you're taking uh, an option off the table as far as they are concerned. Yeah, right. Short-term, shorter-term thinking, though, I, I believe, but it does happen that way. You know, we have talked um, about the potential uh, softening or actually a downturn in the stock market in late 21 or 22 um, because it's so expensive right now. And if the money supply should shift direction, uh, then that overinflated price becomes problematic 
you know, the tax law change could simply be um, part of that whole phenomena out there. I don't know that we'd be able to say it's just that. Uh, I think it'd be multifactorial, but clearly I think it's a risk that is out there. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, For investing in where you see growth, I'm hearing that you like single family homes, self-storage, what else? Uh, For me, the what else is also uh, multifamily homes. Right. Uh, Agreed. That came through, I, I guess, not well enough during the uh, webinar, for which I apologize, but that was another place that I would go. And the data centers seem to um, be on quite the tear, and I don't know what's going to knock that off either, though it's much shorter data history. What about you? Distribution centers, um, warehousing, you know, those are still hot. They're, they're tied to self-storage, but they're still a very positive market to be in. And I think that... Uh, other than that, Brian, it, again, it comes down to that real estate is all local. So where you live is going to make a, a big difference in, in, in the what else as far as I'm concerned. What's short? What's lacking in your area? What's the demographic shift doing? Is it really short on uh, senior living facilities? You know, we're 55 and over community because that's all that's going to be left there. Or is it something that you need to get, invest in because the millennial population is growing? There, there's a lot of local flavor to that question, too. Granted, but unless you're thinking about actually owning the real estate, if you're talking about using a REIT, a real estate investment trust, then you're looking at the national trends. Well, very true. I was thinking about owning the physical property. Oh, you were going to handle this one, Alan. Uh, I'm curious what you were able to find out. Right now, giving is down for nonprofits. Uh, What is your forecast for the future of philanthropic donations? Uh, it is down right now. The, the 312 is coming up off of a uh, May record low, though. So it, like we've seen in a whole lot of things, the 312, 112, uh, some of the monthly numbers are improving there. But the 1212 is at the lowest level in 17 to third year. So I understand the, the pain behind the question. And we covered this in our first book, Make Your Move. A lot of philanthropic uh, donations, charitable uh, donations, uh, track with the stock market. So concerns about stock market, concerns about what will be going on there, the uncertainty there does impact giving. And I think part of this is the uh, reduction in deductibility, uh, certainly of charitable giving. Uh, so what is our forecast? We're still a pretty giving people. And I think it's just going to continue to be a function of, of perception and uh, what we, we as givers uh, think are worthy causes and the truly wealthy who uh, give for deductions are going to just play the market as it were in terms of what's the government going to allow me to write off. That's also a moving target and a great unknown. Overall, I'd say that uh, most of the organizations that we know are struggling and have been struggling to receive enough funding and that's not going to go away anytime soon. But it's not going to be as bad as it was earlier this year, right? Correct. It's already not as bad as it was earlier this year. Okay. Yep. Good. What are about income producing row crop land. Is this still a good investment and inflation hedge? I think so, Brian. It is a remarkably tough business, uh, but the, in an inflationary environment and a strong demand environment like we are anticipating for the next 10 years, you could expect land values to go up. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what crop we're talking about or whether it's actually being farmed at the moment, but uh, arable land uh, that can produce appropriate crops seems like a, a good place to be as we go into the future. And even in a depression, if it's basic staple uh, food, um, the demand curve is not going to disappear as long as your cost basis is 
properly adjusted, you can continue to have a cash flow. What are our thoughts on upcoming publicly funded construction, highways, bridges, et cetera? From what I've gathered on that, uh, reading the Biden plan and uh, previously reading about the current administration's plans, it seems pretty safe to assume that whichever group we get as the administration uh, for 21 forward, they're planning on coming out with some sort of uh, major uh, infrastructure bill, particularly since the highway uh, fund went into negative territory, um, or is going to be in negative territory in 2021. It needs some sort of legislation to refill that till and get it going, or else a whole bunch of things are going to come grinding to a halt. And it's needed. Uh, when we look at the infrastructure in, in the country, there is a lot of need for a highway and, and bridge uh, repair. And uh, the infrastructure bills also go well beyond highways and bridges, as I'm sure you know. It's, it's the electric grid. And, and as our brother David tells us, there's a lot of need there for improving the electric grid. And it also includes satellite systems. It includes uh, a lot more than, than highways and bridges. So there'll be a lot of money spent, which will help some companies. It'll be a plus to some individuals. It will be who will get jobs and have secure, good-paying jobs as it goes forward. It'll help commerce in, in the parts of the country where uh, this is a, a hindrance. Um, so overall, those are the pluses. The negative here is um, who's going to pay for this thing as we go forward? Yeah, the talk is raise the gasoline tax or, and or diesel tax by about 15 cents a gallon to cover the cost. Easy to do now because prices of fuel, not so much diesel, but gasoline are, are certainly down to a much more comfortable level for people that have memories. But yeah, that would be one way to do it. The very large plan proposed by the House, which includes infrastructure and a whole lot of other things, doesn't have a word of funding in it. Yeah, perfect. I think they actually said, we'll let the Ways and Means Committee figure that out. Uh, so I think they said that, but or the inference was Ways and Means can figure that one out. Okay. All right. I think that's it. It is indeed. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your questions. We hope that you have found this to be a good use of your time. And we look forward to seeing you at our next webinar, October 21, where we talk about supply chain management and onshoring and... What can we count on being the same uh, after the election relative to before the election? And then uh, in November, we're talking about election and things that we can learn from the election and what it might mean to our forecast, correct? Correct. And in December, we'll be taking a look more at um, what this all means in terms of the financial markets and lay out some expectations um, for not just 2021, but even uh, beyond um, in terms of the financial markets. We're going to have two guests on uh, at that time. So it's going to be a good show. With more information about our ITR optimizer, as I understand it. Yes, there will be. Excellent. Well, look forward to seeing everyone there. Thank you again for your time.